Fox Valley Voice. Hello and welcome to Rivertown Life. We are a podcast on the Fox Valley Voice Network. Uh, today, we have Danny Hollis, the executive director of Water Street Studio and a good friend of mine. Uh, Danny, why don't you tell everybody hello? Hey there. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm going to give a brief introduction to you and uh, I'll let you add on as you like. Perfect. Uh, Danny grew up in Batavia, Illinois. Um, and you went to, I can't remember where, college? Uh, I went to Augustana. You went to Augustana. Yeah. I went to college. That's all. You went to college. (laughs) Did the college thing. And then you did some farming. Yeah. And then you went to the city. Yeah. And then you got a master's in nonprofit management. Management. Mm -hmm. And then you, uh, came back to your hometown to be the executive director of a, uh, Nonprofit art studio, which yeah. we've talked about before because Jaime works there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's that's how you're known to a lot of Batavians. Yeah. Um, and you've your family is like pretty well known, has been a pillar of the community for a while. Mm-hmm. And now you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's okay, I don't want to really talk that much about water studios. Yeah, that's fine. Um, you can you can yeah. pitch it as much as you want. But I really want to know more yeah. about you and how you at age 27, 28, I'm 27, 27. Yeah. <laughs> I did some quick math. Um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I rarely forget my age. Yeah. When's your birthday? September. Oh, so you're coming up. You're coming yeah. up on 28 pretty coming fast. Coming up hot. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your sign? Virgo. Virgo. Mm-hmm. Legit. Aquarius Legit. rising. I am a Aquarius son. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this. Yeah. Um, so we became quick friends. Yeah. Uh, we have some mutual friends that we met in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, you told the story really well at uh, my rehearsal dinner. <laughs> um, but long story short, I was doing a performance piece where I was in my undies um slathering lotion on myself talking talking about self-care mm-hmm. and that was the first time you met me yeah yeah I mean love at first sight so you saw me kind of nakes just a little bit just a little bit nakes yeah. bathing suit it was like it was like more equivalent. close equivalent of a bathing suit yeah like solid spandex and sports bra or something yeah yeah what I love is at my uh rehearsal dinner you made it sound way more risque very much so. Yeah, that was not my plan. But I was like reading the crowd and like remembered that your parents, you know, yep. were there. And um, I thought it'd be funny to turn it into a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I never said what actually happened and just left it to everybody's imagination about what, what you were doing up on that stage. And that was Thanks for that. pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah. And then out. I just left. I was yep. just like, and next. Scene. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I think like a foundation of our friendship has been talking about Oprah. Yeah. Um, and Krista Tippett Mm -hmm. and all of these kind of like thinkers. And I mean, I'd put it in like even kind of like the self-help category. Sure. Um, self-care, uh, seeking, um, and, it's been really good for me to have someone out here to like talk about all of those things. Cause just from listening to this podcast, I'm sure everybody knows that I'm, I'm into that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very mutual by the way. Yes. It's grounding to have somebody to, you know, in your hometown where you felt like you maybe couldn't connect with anybody on that level, knowing that there's somebody there who's like there to stay that yeah. you can connect with on that level is rare and very yeah. exciting. How did you get into all of that stuff? Um, well, I started doing energy healing with, um, my aunt when I was a rowdy teenager, I was like 12 or 13 and going through kind of a rough time as you do at age 12 or 13. Um, I was just like mad at the world for no darn reason at all. Um, I had like everything that everybody could want, but 
I just had all this like emotion and I needed to like channel it somehow. And, um, my aunt was learning about like Reiki and, um, different kind of like energy healing practices. And, um, she's a massage therapist and she was like, well, let's work together a little bit and maybe see if it's something like energetically that we can move around and maybe open some stuff up that you're grappling with. And at the time I was like, whatever, you know, I thought it was kind of like hippy dippy and not that I was like not into it. I was just, um, it wasn't like cool yet, you know, like it was something where I was like, oh, this is just this weird thing that my aunt does. And like, she's a part of this whole culture and I might as well try it. Um, cause I wanted to like not be angry anymore, you know? And I was even as, you know, a 12 or 13 year old, I mean, I was like smoking cigarettes and doing things that you shouldn't be doing. And it was one, cause we were living in the burbs and what the heck are you supposed to do? Um, part of it was boredom. And then the other part is just like, yeah, this hyper, hyper emotion that I felt as a teenager. And so I started practicing with my aunt and, um, it took a while for me to get, um, in the zone where I was like open or like willing to receive whatever was coming my way, which is hard. It's really hard to verbalize what that actually means. Um, but there is just like the state of being where your guard is down, you know, and I had been living as a teenager with my guard up to everything, you know, and my aunt would like call me out. She'd be, I'd have my eyes closed and she'd be working on a certain part of me. And she's like, she could tell that I was like tense about it. And she's like, I need you to relax. And I would feel, I thought I was relaxed. She's like, you're not real. I need you to like let go of this thing. Like whatever's going on right here, I need you to let go. And all of a sudden I would like tune into that part of my body and realize like, oh yeah, I'm like carrying all this tension right here. And I just, it just became normal. And so I started to become familiar with the practice and knowing how to be more in tune with my body and, you know, maybe where I'm holding tension and I felt this like great sense of relief after months of practicing it. Like it definitely was uncomfortable for the first, I don't know, handful of sessions. And then, um, something just clicked and I was like, oh, I like, I have control over what's happening to me in the world and like how I interact in the world and taking ownership of that. And so my aunt ended up in like introducing me to other people who were practicing different types of healing. And, um, I just kind of like became a guinea pig, I think for a lot of people who were learning how they're, you know, how to expand upon their practice. And I was learning about how to receive that practice. And I was working with people probably from age 13 to, I don't know, 20, 21. Okay. So the first time I got Reiki was, um, two years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. I definitely, I didn't even know what Reiki was probably mm-hmm. until I got it, basically. Yeah. And and now I've gone back and I've, I've done a workshop and I've learned, you know, how to, how to practice Reiki. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's really interesting that you were 12 years old because that's also a time that like you don't have a lot of like personal agency. No. Um, mm-hmm. And... You know, and I think there's something interesting that I am I'm getting at the question of like you being like needing healing where mm-hmm. you're a, you know, you're a white girl living in the suburbs like you're, you know, yeah. you came from a family that like could provide for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you understand what I mean when I was like, oh, yeah, I come from a lot of privilege and like my life is fairly easy. And like yeah. and I think that that is something that like I I struggled with a lot when I was a teenager Mm -hmm. um, was why am I, why do I feel like this? I should feel fine. Mm -hmm. Like I was aware of so many other things happening in the world. And then I even get more mad at myself for feeling bad um, or like feeling like I need, and it took me a long time to accept, accept that healing. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious of like what, yeah, kind of what that did to start that kind of self-healing practice at like age 12? Yeah, it's a good question. Honestly, I think it just kind of fell into place because I had those type of people around me and Mm -hmm. they were looking to practice their craft. 
you know, and um, my aunt has always, even since I was little, you know, has been like, you're intuitive, you're intuitive, you're intuitive. And so you start to believe it a little bit. And I was like, I don't know, maybe this is a way that I can connect to things where I'm feeling so disconnected in the world. Like maybe this is a connection point for me where it's not happening maybe on the physical plane and I'm uncomfortable in my body and I'm uncomfortable with you know, the way I have to spend my day, I'm uncomfortable with everything else in the like physical world. And maybe I can connect to this like higher thing to like bring purpose to my life, you know, because I don't I was bored, you know, like there was nothing really to connect to. And I remember just, um, you know, meeting, meeting different people and really like picking up people's energies and just being, you know, I mean, you could feel somebody when you're, you know, walking up to them. And maybe I should just speak for myself. Like, when you walk up to somebody who's maybe a stranger, like you can sense their vibe, you yeah. know, like you get a feeling when you're in front of somebody, you're talking to somebody. And I think I became more familiar with trusting that kind of like guttural feeling, you know, is the only thing I can liken it to like physically is like this feeling of like, oh, this pis- this this person makes me feel grounded or this person there's something off with this person or I don't trust this person or just like these initial thoughts you know or feelings rather they're not thoughts they're like I don't know you can just feel it um and really starting to take like ownership of that you know and paying attention to to your gut you know I think that was that was something that was really helpful because ever since I was like 13 or 14 I've always kind of been like a chameleon, you know, like I tried on all these different groups in high school. I was like friends with everybody, you know, and I didn't have just like one group that I hung out with. I loved experiencing what different people felt like, you know, and what different like little subcultures felt like. So it was fun. I was like doing my own little like anthropological research as a teenager of like what it feels like to be with different people. But then, you know, you're trying to form an identity and you start to I've, I didn't find this out, like I didn't realize this until later in life, but you start to live through other people when you become that connected. And so, you know, I spent, I don't know, I would say probably spent like ages 15 to 20 just living through other people, you know, and what their lives were like and like what, you know, like feeling it as my own, which is weird. It's a really weird experience. That that is something that like okay, a, we've never talked about that. No, we haven't. But I I identify with that mm-hmm. very strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and like at some point in my twenties, like a friend of mine was like, "Brie, you're an empath," and I was like, "I don't know what that means," and that sounds really woo woo. Yeah, and I don't like it. Yeah. Um, and it took me some years to like really understand. It's like, oh, like actually, like. I am. And in, and in doing that, like other people's, I mean, and even, you know, even with like anxiety and depression and like other people's hard times really became my hard times Mm -hmm. and didn't leave me space for some of my own exploration. And it took, yeah, it took some time to kind of figure, tease that all, all that stuff out. Yeah. It's like learning those boundaries, you know, of like, um, yeah, connecting with somebody on what, wherever they are. Yeah. You know, like meeting them wherever they are and being like, I'm here with you um, without absorbing whatever it is that's actually happening to them. You know, just being there for support rather than absorbing. And that was something that took me a while to figure out is like you can put a bubble up and still support, even though I still feel totally. it. I can you can. um, You can establish boundaries, you know, and I think it takes a long it it's a habit. It's a habit to just be absorbed, yeah. you know, and it, it takes practice to, f- to determine where your boundaries are going to be and how you're going to enforce those boundaries with people. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, there is something, I mean, like, and I don't want to take it all the way. Mm, maybe I do. Like what, when you say energy healing, um, mm-hmm. because like, and I think that that's the thing again, like I am, I am new to woo Um, and I have like, I mean, we've talked a lot about like, um, what levels of like woo we're like comfortable and like a lot of it does go back to our own self healing, our own self work. Um, and you know, I can never, I mean, I can't prove any God is in existence or Mm -hmm. angels or spirits guides or whether or not crystals work. And like, that is like, so not important to me in any way. Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, and they're, you know. 
people Google energy and energy healing. And like there is some scientific like basis for that now mm-hmm. that definitely wasn't around when you were 12 years old. Yeah, I never had a language for it. I mean, I think that's why I call it energy work. I'm sure I could sit down with like a handful of our friends and actually figure out what the terms are for the things that I experienced. Um, but I one, I never asked because I didn't know I didn't know it was like somebody's career that they were, you know, at the time I was just like, oh, I just want to feel better and this makes me feel better. So I'm going to go do this thing. And as it was happening, like you don't really know. I didn't really know what was happening. I just like trusted the process and hoped that I would feel better after. Totally. And during that time, it's like when you're getting a massage, you know, you're like on the table and you're trying to like shut your brain off so that you can like really just focus on feeling good. It's a very similar feeling when you're doing, you know, when you're the person on the table and somebody's doing Reiki on you or something, you have to get to the state of mind where you're like vulnerable and you're like, I'm willing to be healed right now and I want to feel better and um, just opening yourself up to that. And I think um, that's scary for a lot of people to do. Even like in a massage, it's hard to like turn your brain off or be like submissive and just want healing and ask asking for it, you know, but um, yeah, I just knew I felt better after. So I was willing, I was just like willing to do anything, you well, know? Well, and I think that that's like, there are, there are a lot of things that we are talking about, like healing and we are talking mm-hmm. about, um, trying to feel better. And like, there are a lot of constructive and destructive ways to do that. Yeah. Like, I mean, and I think that that's something that like we've talked about a mm-hmm. lot. Like I, you know, Sometimes I just like really want to like down a couple whiskeys mm-hmm. because like that's been something that I know yeah. will make me feel better because it'll turn it'll yeah. it'll numb something inside of me. Yeah, it's just like a tool. Yeah. You know, and I think like for me as a kid, like energy work or whatever you want to call it was a tool. Um as I got older, I started doing other crutches, you know, and using other tools to like process emotion or like not experience that emotion. Um, because it was intense, you know, so, I mean, I started drinking at an early age and, um, you know, drugs were a part of my life at a certain point, you know, you just, you start to use all these different tools. And now that I've gained perspective, you know, a little bit, and I've gotten a little bit more mature, I realized that there are certain tools that were very detrimental to my health, um, and my ability to like recognize, um, opportunities for growth, Totally, you know, and then there's other tools that, are really um, effective, you know, for like uh, overcoming challenges. Um, so what are you using in your daily life now? Well, thanks to Brie, I was introduced to tarot cards, which is a new Ooh. tool that um, I, yeah, I didn't really, um, I never had experienced that tool early on. And it was something that I was always like, oh yeah, like I knew what they were, but I didn't know how they are, how they worked. And um it's funny because I think of tarot as like, it's just an opportunity to see something a little bit different. Totally. You know, or to be more aware about a particular thing and focus on that and have that be your practice for the day. There's a gazillion things that you can focus on throughout the day. Um, so sometimes it's nice to have a, you know, to have something tell you, you know what, focus on this today. Totally. You know, it's not like some spirit telling you your future. It's just a tool. Yeah, it's just it's just your ability to connect to something that maybe is bigger than you and say, okay, well, I'm going to focus on whatever the theme of that card is today. And I'm going to be open to whatever symbols or people or whatever that come into my life today that, you know, maybe shed some light on that on that theme um, it's just another tool. So I know tarot is definitely something I've gotten more into and more comfortable using. Um, yeah, I can go on. You want me go to tell on. more? Go on. Wheel. Let's see. Well, while you think like yeah. one thing, cause like, I think the thing about like tarot and especially if you're using it in a mm-hmm. way of like, um, what, what to focus on during the day, like yeah. it's almost like an automatic optimism boost. Yeah, totally. Um, Because, like, it's really easy to, like, look around the world and see rough, like, roughness. Yeah. um, And to see blocks and to um, to feel like, I mean, maybe not everyone. I I have a, 
I have a hard time sometimes not just being like, oh, man, like things are bad. Um, yeah. And like tarot has been such a good way for me to like not not ignore, not not numb, but like work through mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. Um, and like see the good and like the relationships I have and like the people that I meet and, you know, yeah, even some of that struggle. Yeah. It reminds me of that, the like theory of liminality. Um, as I studied philosophy and anthropology in college and I was totally obsessed with this anthropological theorist. His name's Arnold Van Gennep. And he, he came up with this concept, um, of liminality as it applies to like rituals. And, uh, he did all this ethnographic research and found out that many cultures have these like three phases that they go through, uh, that help, an individual grow into whatever the next chapter of their lives are, whatever that may be. And uh, this, this like three-step thing, I started to see this pattern in my life all the time, especially when it came to like challenges, right? So the three phases are um, uh, se- uh, separation. So you're in a community, say, and you're taken out of that community. That's totally. phase number one. Phase number two is liminality, where you're neither here nor there. You're in this kind of like betwixt and in-between state. And then the third phrase, third phase is reintegration. So oftentimes in this liminal phase, you go through um, kind of like existential crises and totally. this like really intense, challenging time of like, I don't know what to connect to. I don't have the tools to navigate in this territory that I've never been. You know, it's utter chaos. And it is up to the individual to look at that challenge as an opportunity for growth and saying, okay, I'm uncomfortable. So what am I going to do about it? Totally. And so in that final phase of reintegration, you take all these things that you learned, uh, but you know, in your process of overcoming challenge and then you apply it back into the community. So, um, and that process never ends, you know, it's like that cycle is constantly happening. Um, and when I was, I don't know, a handful of years ago, um, after college, I ended up getting a tattoo, um, just after I had left the farm and it's just three bands that are around my arm to represent each one of those phases. Uh, just to remind me that like, you're always going to face challenges and like, it is up to you to gather some perspective and know that when you do come up against these challenges, just opportunity for growth, you know, it's not, you can look at it and be like, God, this sucks, you know, and then just like fall totally. flat or you can go, yeah, this sucks. What am I going to do about it? You know, and like rally your troops and do something about it. Totally. You know, and then learn from it so it doesn't happen again. Well, like and I and I love I love that you have that, you know, daily like reminder about it. Like mm-hmm. my tattoo that like for similar reasons is on my arm and says patience is a virtue. Yeah. Um because it's it helps me remind that like sometimes sometimes you just have to like wait sometimes because it, it is this idea of like moving through something mm-hmm. and the perspective that you just shared is not really like easy to have when you're really in it no, um, it's like near impossible I like I'm really excited to go home and geek out and like pull all of my tarot out and yeah. like which cards are which phase because they all cool. fit into one of those phases yeah um because we're always in it Mm -hmm. um but like i i'm in that middle phase right now yeah um and like and i keep getting this the wheel of fortune keeps coming up (laughs) and death keeps coming up yeah Um, that's good it is good that's good it it means that i'm on i'm on that kind of snap over Mm -hmm. but i still don't know what it is yeah and i you know i've shared with you i've shared on this podcast already is like people are like so how are you doing? What are you doing? Ugh. What's going on? Ugh. And like, and it is, you know, and it's, and it all comes from a good place and it comes mm-hmm. from people, A, wanting me to be okay totally. or wanting me to like come out of whatever I was in. Um, but like, I mean, part of me is still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. So like. Yeah, and you're going to want to know that for the rest of your life. Exactly. No one's ever got it figured out. And I think that that's why like I'm always laughing when people are asking me because it's like I've been real. I've actually been pretty busy mm-hmm. for the last couple months. But like it doesn't have, you know, 
it doesn't have that same stamp that it does sometimes in like, you know, yeah. that kind of like final phase. Yeah. So who knows? Um, other it's things other than yeah. tarot that you do to like to ground yourself, like to learn more about yourself, to keep yourself like. I mean, you have a pretty I mean, I'm not saying you have like the most stressful life, but like you're 27. You're an executive director of like a growing <sighs> art, you know, art yeah. space like. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot to balance. I think um, we have this like gratitude jar at our house, uh, my partner and I. And it's a very large jar. Um, but sometimes when I'm feeling like really low, I'll have, I'll have to force myself to be grateful for something. And I'll write it down on a piece of paper and just throw it in the jar. Totally. You know, just for safekeeping. To know that there's things to be grateful to, grateful for as well. You know, it's a see-through jar. And every time I'm feeling down, I'll like look back at the jar and be like, look at all those things to be grateful for. You know, yeah. they're all folded up and I can't really read them, but they're there. Yeah. Um. So that's that's always helpful. I also listen to a lot of music. I'm like always listening to music. Music's really important to me. Um, That's real. And finding whatever that tone is for the day is crucial. I know, you know, Jaime and I work together and music's key at Watershoot Studios. You know, I think like when you walk into a place, having like the environment set up so that it's comfortable is so important. And I think music plays a huge role in that, Um, you know, both for a space, but also for me as an individual, like, if there's music on that I'm not identifying to or connecting with it, it's really disorienting. Um, so finding whatever that tone is for the day and then just like sticking with it or changing it if the tone of the day changes or whatever, but like having that rhythm, yeah, you know, or a song in my head or like, I don't know, just that tone throughout the day, that rhythm is really important to me. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Do you see a lot of music? Do you go to shows? Yeah. Yeah. Not as much as I used to. I used to go i mean i used to run a music hostel in logan square so i was like always on the the music scene for sure but i still try and make time and um see music i travel a lot my partner and i try and travel at least once a month again to kind of balance out stress you know Mm -hmm. it's like work hard through the week and have a long weekend being someplace totally new um that brings me like a lot of hope and happiness and it's a way to get out of that like um um what's the right word like stagnant I don't know yeah, you just yeah, like yeah. get in a routine you're yeah. like oh this is what you do throughout the week and you become like complacent in it yeah, That's yeah, what yeah I'm looking for yeah so if you just like shake up your environment and go somewhere new even if it's just like an hour away it doesn't matter but like go somewhere new and be like oh yeah there's a whole world out there to go play in I'm gonna go play in it you know oh, totally. and like that's where new ideas come from too I mean a lot of the ideas that I've either applied to my like home life or my work life have come from me just witnessing it out in the world somewhere that I've never been, you know, and incorporating whatever it is, whether it's like a new band that I wouldn't have seen, you know, otherwise, or a way to like lay out a living room or ways to lay out a living room. I mean, whatever it may be, but learning through Airbnbs across the country. Yeah, That's so real though. It is real. It is real. It's like, oh man, we should really move our mirror over there instead. That makes so much more sense, you know? Yeah. Just a little stupid stuff, but it matters. Like those details matter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I identify with that, like the going away, like sometimes, and sometimes also appreciate what is at home and what, you know, like what our home looks like and what kind of space we're creating. Mm -hmm. Um, But like on, you know, with like time and budget, like it takes time. And sometimes it's nice to like go to a really nicely curated, Mm -hmm. I don't know, RV or like little, little lodge or something. Yeah. Um, Do you spend a lot of time outdoors? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would actually, one of the other things that kind of keeps me grounded is doing that yard work building a garden yeah growing food is something that's really important to me um before I came back to Water Street um back to Batavia I was uh farming a lot and that was something that was like I like working with my hands like I like building things or watching something grow you know like totally when you start a project and you end a project and you leave with something yeah as a result you know food growing food is always really fun because that process just happens over and over and over again it takes care like you have to put care into something and it has to be done right, you know, 
but then you get to reap all this reward, you know, it's yeah. actual like sustenance for your body. That was always really rewarding. But other than that, I mean, I love being on my bike and playing in the woods and awesome. Yeah, that's always fun. Um, so I when I was like 10 years old or something, I really wanted a garden. Mm-hmm. And my dad like gave me this like small and it was it was like a 10 by 10 corner in the in the back of the yard. Mm-hmm. And we like, you know, tilled soil and we like planted all these seeds and nothing grew. Oh, darn like it. nothing grew. <laughs> and like my dad, like I just remember my dad being like, oh, you know, like it was probably like bad soil. Like like just but it was like yeah, it was it could so, have been anything. It was so traumatizing. <laughs> yeah. Like Yeah. Um and now and my parents like I mean my dad at the time was like I think in school and working and mm-hmm. like it wasn't like it wasn't the time they now have this beautiful incredible garden and yeah. like i've you know i've got some pots and like i'm a little bit better at like keeping things alive like mm-hmm. but for a long time i was like i don't i'm just gonna i'm not i can't do this like yeah but i'm bringing to this point of like you're talking about all of this like kind of like witchy stuff like yeah. you know energy work and like <laughs> growing things and like um and like that is that is like a really hip term right now. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly who listens to this podcast, but if you haven't like picked up on that as a cultural theme right now, like there is a lot of that cultural theme. Um, do you identify as a witch? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> um, I don't personally. Uh, I mean, I think there's, I think there are people who are in tune and people who are out of tune. I think that's how I would define it. And I think um, the universe operates how it operates, you know, and it's your, I mean, you have the option of being aware of it and interacting in it and kind of flowing with it and taking care and being mindful of the things that are happening. And I think there's little like tricks and tips you can pick up along the way that seem kind of witchy, you know, but I think for the most part, people are just people who identify as witchy are just connecting to something that may be at like a deeper level or more of like that in-between level that we don't have words for necessarily. Totally. And they're trying to make sense of this in-betweenness, you know, that they're experiencing. And the only thing that they have to communicate are these tools like tarot cards or crystal balls or, you know, whatever that tool may be. But I think they're just trying to find a way to like connect and communicate. Um, do you think, do you think like you you mentioned like your aunt would call you mm-hmm. intuitive? Like, mm-hmm. do you think that there's something special about you that makes you intuitive, or do you think that that is something that we all have the ability to tap into? Wow, that's a good. That's a really good question. I mean, I don't know. I get this like, like my gut is like, oh, talk about frequency. Like, I think there's like a frequency that people can tap into, you know, and I think um, some people are more aware of that than others. And I think it's a practice if you've never been introduced to it. Like, why would you speak that language? You know, like if you've never been around a Spanish speaking person, why would you speak Spanish? You know, like if you've never had a language around you to talk about frequency or to talk about the energy or to talk about these, you know, quote unquote, witchy things and like. Why would you ever talk about it? Well, like, you there's, know, there's something that I've thought about because I grew up, I grew up in Christian church mm-hmm. and I was very involved, yeah. like from a, from a young age. And I was, I was really into it and mm-hmm. I talked to God and mm-hmm. I, you know, I had a really strong faith mm-hmm. um, and there was this, and you know, and it was like, it was a middle of the ground church. It wasn't like, there was nothing creepy about it. Like I, I lost my faith when I was like. 18 because Mm -hmm. um because there are a lot of like a lot of things that like I didn't believe like ethically or like like humanely Mm -hmm. that the church was doing or our president at the time was doing that would have been George W. Bush um it was you know like it was 2001 um but like a lot of a lot of the stuff that like happened, like I remember, you know, raising like singing praise songs and raising my hands because mm-hmm. that's something that we would do. And I would feel energy. Yeah. Like I could feel it in the room. And totally. like, and that was such like such an important thing for me growing up was mm-hmm. to like really 
And like, I mean, and I do, I feel like I was tapped in and I was a part of me. It was my best self yeah. because like I had this connection with something larger than me. Yeah. And then when like, you know, when I do feel like Christianity kind of let me down um, and I lost that connection, I lost all spirit, like spirituality, like all of that stuff for a really long time. Yeah. I mean, I think Christianity is just another tool. Yeah, I agree. It's just just another language that people speak to try and connect to something bigger than them, you know, and like right on if you're using it for good. I mean, if you know how to use the tool properly, use it. You know, I think a lot of people abuse that tool, especially when it comes to religion. And I was lucky enough where I grew grew up in a very secular home. Um, I was baptized, um, but, you know, you're just a tiny kid. You don't really have an option or I didn't have an option. But then, uh, you know, I grew up in a Catholic home, Christian home, I guess, <laughs> more yeah. secular, I guess. But, um, we, you know, it came time, I was like 15 where you go and get confirmed. And, uh, my mom was like walking me through the whole process. And I was like, I don't want to. <laughs> and she just thought I was being like a stubborn little 15 year old. And I remember I was like sitting on, like on top of my dishwasher. I remember this like so vividly. Um, and my mom's like throwing a fit because, you know, I'm not going to get in the dress to like go get confirmed my dad's like, well, if she has a good reason, then she shouldn't have to get confirmed. My mom's like, well, what's your reason? I was like, I don't know what I'm confirming to. I don't understand any of this. And it was like silent for a sec. And my dad was like, that's a pretty darn good reason. And I was never confirmed, <laughs> you know, and that's that was actually about the same time that I was also practicing uh, totally. more energy work and really connecting to something bigger that way. Um. So I kind of always had that connection. I just never found it in church. Totally. And I think that that's like, and I think like, I I don't regret growing up in the church. I learned a lot. Like yeah. I moved away from the church because like, I was like, y'all, y'all aren't following Jesus teachings and sure. I can't, I can't stand by and watch mm-hmm. this. Like I felt, um, I felt scammed when I, you know, when I realized sure. like what was really happening. Yeah. And then some of that is also like. Um, I was a child and like I had, you know, I still um, I hold humanity to like a higher standard than like most people, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but I don't think that that's a bad thing necessarily. But like I I've been really happy to like kind of move into, you know, I I also don't identify as a witch, but yeah. like <laughs> um, to, to have like some like some tools. Yeah. Um, that helped me see the world more than just myself and yeah. just the, you know, the things right in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned earlier that you just started reading Parable of the Sower. Yeah. Um, for like the third time. Yeah. And it takes um, a lot out of me. It And it's really it. intense. But like it's um, so Parable of the Sower, Sower by Octavia Butler. I just read it this year too. Yeah. And I was just like, I can't believe I never had, you know, had this before. Um, but like the main character, and it is, it's kind of like kind of messed up like post-apocalyptic time. Um, and she develops this religion and like this idea because it, she really believes that people need something to work towards. And like that having that and having that there will help them get through the day by day, mm-hmm. you know, all of this stuff, Yeah. Um, which I think is just, I mean, that seems really normal. Like we just have to find a way to like incorporate it that like also takes care of children mm-hmm. and, you know, not going to get too political on this podcast because, you know, most people know I'm pretty political and <laughs> it won't be relevant yeah, just because like find a better tool. Find a better tool. Find, find a, a better tool, tool that works for everybody. Yeah. Not just you. I will say I'm really impressed with like there are a lot of um, Christians standing up to like what Jeff Sessions said. And you used a Bible verse to um, justify the law of what's keeping immigrant children and parents separated. And like everybody's like, nah, man. Like, it's going to wake everybody up. The Methodists are suing him. Good. Being like... No, you and he's a Methodist. So like, I mean, like there's and and it makes me really happy that like I'm seeing all of these like Christians being like, oh, no, like we are not only like we can't ignore this anymore. So that makes me happy. Yeah. Um, 
So changing gears just a little bit. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons that I um, stopped being a Christian is because uh, someone in my church told me that my sister was going to hell because she was queer. On account of the gay. And I was yeah. just like, no, no God of mine would do that. Like, mm-hmm. that's not that's not a thing. And like you've mentioned your partner mm-hmm. multiple times and I know her and love her. Shout out to Jana. <laughs> we love you, Jana. We love you, Jana. <laughs> um, and I just like. There's something about like being in the suburbs that like is different from like I lived in Chicago and before then I lived in Portland and like being part of the theater community, like I went from Portland where like everybody's queer to like Chicago, which like 90% of the people that I knew and hung out with were queer. And like now I'm in the suburbs and like I'm married to a man. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, what is, what is your experience being (laughs) as, as our friends, um, Joe and Stefan say hashtag queering the suburbs. What's that? (laughs) What is that like? Um, I, I mean, it's great for me now. I found uh, somebody who I'm, you know, very excited to spend the rest of my life with. And that's going to be really great. I think, you know, it was scary. Um, It's like a reverse culture shock, right? Like I was so used to hanging out with a queer culture every single day. And that, you know, how we spent our free time was very queer (laughs) in all the like stereotypical ways. Uh, And to come back to pretty white suburban middle-class town um where almost everybody's straight uh that was that was really bizarre but uh we're trying to uh john and i actually met up with a couple different lgbt groups um and talked about how we could create a safe space um at water street actually um uh, because neither one of us knew where to go when we moved back to the area and didn't know that there were necessarily other people who identified as uh, a part of that community so actually and two days, we're having a Pride kickoff event um, to announce that, you know, Water Street Studios is a safe space. And uh, we happily invite people who identify in that community and especially it's run by one. Hey, guys. Um, and to know that those places exist, I think, is really important, especially for people in their you know 20s where they're looking for that connection in their community is, you know, part of their way of identifying and figuring out their own identity. Um so creating that culture where we say like we're here too yeah. is really important out here. Um, and knowing you know you're only a short podcast away from Chicago, you do have that queer community that's a little bit more vibrant out there. Um, but there's no reason why we shouldn't celebrate it here, as you know yeah. either. And I think it's really exciting that Aurora just had their Pride Fest um, or their Pride Parade, and you know people made it a really big deal, which I think is really interesting because it's like 2018 people. Like it yeah. shouldn't be that big of a deal. Um, but I'm glad that um, the city rallied to, you know, be verbal and support it, like very loud. And um, yeah, I mean, I feel I feel pretty welcome. I come from I haven't really struggled with my, you know, coming out. It hasn't really been a struggle for me. I come from a really supporting family and community um, and I haven't really faced any tension being a person who identifies in the LGBTQ LMNOP community. Um, <laughs> just keep adding the letters which is fine um so yeah i mean i think i think there's hope i think uh i'm here you're not alone kind of thing um but it's different it's definitely different um i think having more more cultural experiences where people feel more comfortable knowing that they don't need to be on one side or the other that there is this place in the middle where everybody can fit is really important and i think we should celebrate that more often and Luckily, I get to do that often at a art center that I run, um, you know, where we celebrate that diversity. And um, yeah, it's just just another chapter that's a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the like with Water Street, mm-hmm. like, have you done anything with like kids, high school kids? Like, yeah, I just went and um, I did a um, it was a guest speaker or lecture uh, for uh, Batavia's GSA group on their um, day of silence. So I broke the silence with them, which was really exciting and talked about my experience, you know, coming out. I didn't come out. I mean, I didn't, I didn't realize that I was attracted to people of the same sex until I was like 19. Um, and I had always dated, dated guys. I just thought that was normal. 
Um, and I never really questioned it. And then I did some meditation and had this like epiphany and I was like, Oh my God, you like women. That's the thing. (laughs) I love that you did a meditation. Like everybody go home, do a meditation and just like (laughs) see what happens. Yeah. Maybe I'll tell that story on another podcast or something. It was a very interesting experience. Um, Oh man, I forgot what we were talking about. Oh, I got I'm all sorry. I'm sorry. You're talking about uh, talking to the GSA. At oh yeah, High School. yeah. So it was cool to like tell my story and um, let you know let the kids know that are in high school that like one they're not alone and that yeah you're in the burbs and it may suck right now but like that kind of tacky it always gets better but it's becoming more and more common. I mean, this is like, it's like almost trendy to be gay right now. It's weird, you know? <laughs> um, like, this is a good time to be gay. Yeah. Um, it's very f- exciting, you know? And there's decades of movements that have been happening to get to the point where I can be on a podcast and being like, I'm gay and I'm happy about it. And I found somebody that I love dearly and we're going to go do life together and be very successful. And that's fine. Totally. <laughs> and we come from very supportive families it's no different than anyone else, you know? Um, so it's fun to be able to tell those stories of hope. And oftentimes you hear these stories of like, my family rejected me or, you know, it becomes like a a mental health issue or whatever it may be. And my story is actually pretty, it's pretty tip. I don't know. Like it's happy. It's not, it's like a point of empowerment rather than like, I've been struggling my whole life and, you know, whatever it's like well I just didn't know (laughs) and then I realized it and I was like oh my god I've been carrying this weight for forever and I just couldn't put a name to it and I'm just I'm not straight that's what the name you know that's the problem um I need to connect with somebody who's not a man like I need that feminine energy in my life and I've never been happier I mean it's the best you know you get to be fully you um and it's yeah it's amazing I think that's awesome. And like, and I think that that's like, and I, and I love because I don't feel like you are apologizing for having like a really, um, you know, a really like happy coming out story. Um, because, but I do really love that you made mention that there has been so much work done over time to get you to that point and to get Mm -mm. the kids that are in high school to the point because when I was in high school, which, you know, was only like, I don't know, seven years before you were probably like in high school, mm-hmm. um, like there are kids like committing suicide. Yeah. Like, and there still are. And there's st- they still yeah. are. Yeah. But I think that like as more of us get like older and understand that like it is so important to um, to, you know, to normalize and to support. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that I just thought about because like, I mean that we can do but like also like hashtag like know your history and like right now is pride month and Mm -hmm. like i've decided i'm gonna give homework at the end of these episodes and if and if you haven't heard of the stonewall riots folks um just google it yeah and like find out more find out more like why we celebrate pride and like and where that started because it started with a riot Mm -hmm. and it started with like a black trans woman yeah um and that is that is something that like is really important as we you know as it's 2018 aurora finally has a pride parade like it's so cool that we're like catching up but Mm -hmm. like to also remember how far time has come yeah um and like it's it's in all of our best interest to keep that going and to like make it easier so we don't go back in some other direction yeah well and check your personal history too i mean you if People have probably been gay in your family. Like, track it back. Like, I'm yeah. sure you know somebody growing up that was gay, you know? Yeah. Um, and maybe struggled through it or maybe was perfectly happy. Um, but I was not the first person in my family to come out. I was, like, the fourth or something. You know, I mean, I th- again, it was one of those things that was just, like, it was never an issue, you know? I yeah. had, you know, gay people in my life. And I didn't see them as any different. Why would you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... That was something I was just comfortable and familiar with. It wasn't, I didn't realize until we, I don't know, until somebody said like, oh, being gay is not, you know, it's not okay in my family. I was like, what are you talking about? Why does that even matter? Yeah, no. It's, you know, I just grew up differently. I think yeah. than most people who maybe didn't have that intimate connection with somebody who did identify as gay. Um, but it's like, 
I think it's really important to always track back your personal history too and like check back at your origins and be like figure out there's probably somebody who's close to you or at like at least once removed that is gay, you know, and like identify on a person to person level, especially if you are uncomfortable with the queer culture, like go talk to somebody, you know, like meet somebody where they're at. Well, like, and I think what's interesting about what you're saying is like also, um, I think a lot about how the internet has like destroyed so many things um, because I think sometimes it can, you know, it can be a tool of harm, but it's also been such a tool for folks because I love that you're saying like, go back and like, look, but if you go back and look like some of those people were closeted, some of those people didn't feel safe. And if you're in a, in a space that like where there, you know, there still are, you know, families and, you know, people that feel really isolated. Mm -hmm. Um, The internet has been so good for that of like connecting communities and connecting Mm -hmm. people. I mean, you know, so that's some food for thought. Yeah. Jaime's giving us this look like, guys. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. (laughs) Wrap it up. Um, Bree and I spend a lot of time talking together. Yeah. So if you live in Batavia and you want to talk to us more, you can find us maybe some morning at Limestone. Or in Bree's hot tub or something. In my hot tub. (laughs) Maybe by the river. Yeah. But yeah, thanks, Danny. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being in my life. You've, you know... You're you're a you're a staple and a really good friend, and uh, I love talking to you about this stuff. So I'm glad we got to do it um, and record it. Yeah, it's super fun being able to like hear our conversation in the headphones. You know, it's yeah. like we're talking to ourselves on a very metal level. So it's that was a really whole new yeah, it's kind of nuts. It's yeah. kind of nuts. Nah. And this is also the most intense eye contact we've probably <laughs> ever had. Yeah, it's so easy to focus. You're right, I know. right there. You're not moving. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. should just do this all the time. Oh, my God. We drive people crazy. Nobody would listen. No, I know. <laughs> I know. But we would have so much fun. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank Bye. What if I have to burp right into the mic? Own it. Yeah, just go for it. Make it a good one. Yeah.